Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. So recently, I've been getting some emails or interacting with friends of mine who have kids the same age as my older kids, ages 16 and 13. And they've been asking a lot of questions or asking for suggestions or wanting to know a little bit more about what I've learned so far parenting teens in tweens. So I thought I would dedicate an episode today navigating the teen-tween parenting transition. So this is mainly meant as a support for you parents who are going through this kind of period of shaky ground. It's a tough period of parenting, no question, if not one of the toughest. Parenting teens and tweens can no doubt feel messy and chaotic and frustrating at times, you feel sometimes like you're on a constant roller coaster ride of emotions because teens are messy, chaotic, frustrating, and on a roller coaster ride of emotions. They're a lot of fun and wonderful at the same time. But there's a lot going on during this period of time, and it can make it really challenging to parent and adjust your parenting when your kids are in this age range. Here's the key tip I'm going to start off with before I dive into the meat here. You don't have to join your teen or tween on their roller coaster ride of messy chaos. This is their ride, and you have no more business in the metaphorical driver's seat. You're there now to spectate and support and provide gentle and sometimes not so gentle guidance when needed. But this is a different period of time that requires you as a parent to really adjust the way in which you are thinking about your role currently. There's been a shift. So tip one, make the shift. Make the shift out of the follow the leader mode and into this coaching mode. I'll be honest, this was really challenging for me at first. I got really confident in my role as that nurturing alpha, the mama duck with her ducklings kind of following the lead. And when my older children kind of started entering into this period of adolescence, it was very uncomfortable for me. And I felt completely not on steady ground because I was still trying to get my ducklings to follow mama duck. And they were starting to wander and my old tricks of getting them to come back and naturally have this instinct to follow me were not working the way it did when they were younger. So I had to kind of rethink and reach out for some coaching support of my own to help me feel more confident in parenting my older children to get myself more into this role of coach versus follow the leader type parenting I had been doing when they were younger. 
But parents, no question, your job is not done yet. It has changed. Your role has changed, but it's not done. It's not time to check out. Your job now is to support your child as they find and discover their purpose, their passions, and gain and earn their wings. Remember that during this period of time, though, failure is a part of growth, both for you and your teen or tween child. So accept it, expect it, and know that that is part of this process as well. The second tip, recognize the inherent challenges that come along with adolescence. What I'm talking about here is what's going on in your child's brain during adolescence is a sort of pruning, a kind of home renovation of sorts. So because of that, children's emotions and their ability to self-regulate their emotions becomes less reliable at times. That's to be expected. That helps parents parenting this age group to have more empathy, recognizing that some of this range of emotions that your children are kind of experiencing and demonstrating is to be expected and not necessarily something they are in full control of at all times. Another thing to recognize during this period of time is our old friend, Counter Will. Counter Will that I went into at some depth in episode 30 called How to Handle Your Adolescence Counter Will. This, as a reminder, is a normal and actually a healthy sign of maturation. Your child is pushing back in an effort to differentiate themselves and kind of understand their own separateness as they're growing into adulthood. That's normal and healthy, but of course can be very frustrating when you're parenting a child whose first instinct is always to push back. So recognize again, this is a part of normal adolescent behavior, which is challenging from a parental standpoint, but also normal. So knowing that can help you address it in a way that's not going to push your child further away or get them to constantly stay stuck and counter will. Again, much more on that in episode 30. If you are like, yep, that's me right now. And you want to know more, I will encourage you to listen to that podcast episode. Another thing that is an inherent challenge of adolescence is this shaky ground they're on because they have one foot in the door still of childhood, while one foot is out the door into early adulthood. Sometimes they long for your caretaking, your nurturing, and for you to take the lead. And other times they crave independence and liberation and freedom. So be mindful and don't do anything that could push them further away or out faster than is healthy. And especially on a real emotional level, but also be mindful that you're not doing things that are keeping your child stuck, your adolescent stuck in more childlike behavior. This is a challenging time and you don't want to do things that can cause long-term damage or separation between you and your adolescent too soon. Tip three, watch your words. Be careful not to be expressing only disappointment in your adolescent. Draw attention to accomplishments, to things that mark progress, even if it's small bits of progress. If your kid's room is always messy, but one day they remember to, you know, bring the laundry to the laundry room and start a load of laundry, recognize that. Don't immediately focus on the things that they're not doing. Focus on the progress that you are seeing. When I'm talking about watching your words, I'm also talking about using less of them. Talk less and listen more. 
a lot of adolescents become human beings with less words. They don't talk as much. And we might make them talk even less if we're too busy doing so much talking. So if your child is speaking to you, really hold your tongue and listen more. Don't immediately rush to interject your viewpoint, your idea, or your, again, disappointment in what they're saying or how they are saying it. Look for times and opportunities when you can draw your child into conversation without a lot of pressure to answer questions or perform. These times might be times when you're doing something else other than just having a formal sit-down conversation, like when you're out driving someplace, running errands, out on a dog walk, or maybe doing a chore together. Those are times when you can draw your child into a conversation where it doesn't feel like there's so much pressure because it's not an official quote-unquote talk. It's just a conversation that maybe your child is going to participate in when the pressure is off. Another thing to do when it comes to your words is to normalize feelings of sadness, loneliness, their lack of self-regulation. Normalize those feelings. Many teens start to worry that there's something wrong with them. It's important to avoid trying to make things always better by either dismissing your teen's feelings and saying like, oh, that's not something to worry about, nothing to feel sad about. Don't do that. Don't dismiss your feelings. Those feelings are real for them. It is a big deal for them, even if it doesn't seem like it in the grand scope of life. It's a big deal for them then. So watch your words in terms of your instinct to dismiss a teen's feelings, but also avoid trying to kind of build them up superficially. If your child is saying they're feeling lonely, don't immediately say, oh, but you've got lots of friends. If your child is feeling like they're not very smart in that moment because they're having a hard time learning something, don't immediately rush in and say, oh, but you were so smart. Think about how well you did last time you took a test in this subject. Just listen and normalize. Gosh, it's really hard to feel lonely right now. I get that. Or I remember feeling that way too when I was your age. Part of like what I said can be problematic is jumping right into fix-it mode and offering solutions. Hey, you're feeling lonely? Why don't you invite a friend over? Oh, you're not feeling really confident right now in math? Let's get you a tutor. Instead, just listen to your child. Normalize the feelings. Don't rush right into dismissing or offering solutions. You can get there later if warranted. Right now, the important thing is to normalize feelings and to listen. Normalizing those feelings can help a child who might feel like there's something wrong with them rest in knowing that, no, it's, it's okay. It's normal to feel these feelings. Thank you for sharing with me that you're feeling lonely, that you're feeling sad. That's a normal part of life. But if you're feeling stuck for too long in feeling sad, yeah, you might want to take note of your child after you've done a lot of listening to them. Maybe they do need some outside support. Maybe they are struggling with something bigger like depression, anxiety, and you can move in and offer support and find solutions later. But in the moment, watch your words and listen. Tip four, empower instead of enable. Here's what I mean by this. And this is kind of a big section, a big part of the meat I'm delivering today on this episode. You want to look at your child and all the things they're capable of and empower them to do more. Empower them and provide tools so they can take it to the next level. Look at your child with new eyes and admire how they're emerging and revealing themselves to you as themselves. You've planted a lot of seeds. You've done a lot of nurturing in the early years of childhood. Now's the time to sit back and kind of 
see who your teen is becoming. Get to know your teen. Become curious about who they are. Ask questions and inquire about their points of view. And also ask their advice on things, not directly related to parenting them. Like, hey, how can I help you? Or what what do you need from me to get you to clean up your room? That's not what I'm talking about here in terms of asking for advice on things. More like, hey, I'm thinking about painting the living room a new color. What color do you suggest? Or I've got these paint samples up of colors I'm considering. Which ones do you like the best? I'm going to go out to a party. I'm going to attend a business meeting and I'm trying to pick out an outfit. Which one do you think I should choose? Hey, we're, we're considering taking a family trip to Europe in a few years as a family. Where would you like to go? Do a little research. Figure out what places you'd like to visit and why. Those are all ways of empowering your child to have a voice and drawing them to participate in a way that can be really positive because they feel empowered to participate and have their viewpoints or ideas valued. Resist the temptation to try and always control or shape your adolescent. They are who they are now. It's time for you to accept them for who they are and support them and check your judgment wherever possible. On the subject of control and about control, a lot of parents get stuck in this period of time and power struggles about control. This kind of leads parents to be doing a lot of punishing and doling out of consequences. Stop being stuck in that position. I'm not saying that there isn't a time and a place for natural consequences to occur, but if you're just sitting there trying to manage and control your child by basically threatening them or punishing them, your child might move further and further away from you in an effort to kind of resist you. They need to see you as being on the same team. So if your child is constantly trying to sneak something or break rules you have set, ask yourself first, why? What might I be doing to enable that behavior? Am I being too restrictive? Am I being too inconsistent? Am I not keeping up with my child's stage of development? Are they ready for more permission? With, of course, a healthy side dish of responsibility that you would be expecting from them. Talk to your child here and really listen when they tell you why they're breaking rules repeatedly or sneaking around. Figure out how you can get back on the same team rather than just staying stuck and doling out punishments. Gosh, you you seem to be sneaking a lot of time on your phone right now. Rather than just constantly confiscating the phone and taking it away from your child, sit down with your child and say, okay, I see that you're feeling the need to sneak your phone a lot right now. I'm not okay with sneaking. So I want to listen to you and hear from you why you feel a need to have your phone more than I am allowing right now. Let's see if I can understand why this is happening and see if we can get on the same page here so that I am able to enforce limits that I feel are important to enforce right now, but also acknowledge that maybe I'm being too restrictive and maybe we can come up on a common ground here that will make everybody be happy and content and acknowledge the fact that we both want the same things here for everybody to have a healthy relationship with their devices. I'm here to help that. And you are here also to kind of express when maybe rules need to be looked at again. And I will listen to you. I can't promise I'm going to give you everything you're asking for, but I'm going to listen to you respectfully and listen to your point of view and consider what you have to share. That's really important right now with your child. So take a look at this and take a look at how you're parenting a child right now. Is it all about control? Is it all about doling out punishments? If so, stop 
and take a look what's going on here. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. Tip five, let your teenager, your tween, be a dreamer. Idealism is a huge aspect of this stage of development. This stage of life is blossoming with ideas and opportunities. And your child, because of that, has probably a lot of idealism built in. Let it be. You might see the flaws in the way your child sees the world right now, but don't constantly call your child out on their unrealistic views. Idealism reflects hope for a better world. And that's a beautiful thing to recognize in your teen. When they're very idealistic, it's because they have so much hope that things could be better, that things could be different. No need to extinguish the flame while it's just getting lit. Reality will kick in soon enough and life is going to teach plenty of lessons in time. Some dreams that your child has, some of this idealism may just come to fruition. Maybe you're the one that needs to check yourself in your pessimism. But yes, of course, many of your child's dreams and idealism will fail, but you don't need to be the one being your child's personal Debbie Downer. <laughs> Let life teach some of those lessons. If your child feels really engaged, as I know my teenagers, my adolescents are right now, and politics and the way they view the world, and you ask them, gosh, well, what would be your solution? What would be your solution to end the homeless crisis? And they give you a bunch of suggestions and ideas that you know probably will not work or maybe have already been tried. Just listen to your child. Okay, those are great ideas. What else? The important thing here is that your child has hope. So don't extinguish that hope by you being like, yeah, that's never going to work. Listen to your child and accept that they're going to have some unrealistic ideas. That's okay. Accept that. Let your child be a dreamer right now. Tip six, give your adolescent some space. I'll say it again. Give them space. Something clicks somewhere between the ages of 11 and 13 and overnight, your child is going to want to sleep in past 10 11, noon, maybe later on weekends, or if they're home right now and their remote learning is really unstructured, or maybe they're homeschooled and you have a lot of flexibility, you're going to suddenly see your child, if they're not already kind of a sleeper in the mornings, overnight, the switch gets flipped. I saw it in both of my older kids and it did feel like overnight. All of a sudden I'm like, where are they? Why aren't they popping out of bed when they normally are? It's really kind of strange. But then also you'll see your child in their waking hours be retreating more to their own space. And I understand and I have had my own distress. I still do, particularly because we're home so much right now with no school in person. It's distressing to recognize how much time my children are spending in their rooms. But understand that this is a part of normal development. Think of your child's room as their cocoon right now. They're doing a lot of work. Again, they're in the middle of this renovation, this home renovation on themselves. And while they're doing this work, part of this instinct is to retreat a bit and to be in their own space as they kind of emerge 
as their separate and unique selves, these individuals. And that requires a lot of time for them to independently reflect and brood and dream and doodle, listen to music or make their own music, to journal, to make art. It's okay. Too much of this, yes, can be problematic. So rather than scolding your child, And going in there and making your child feel shamed for spending so much time alone, I'm completely guilty of this. I'm working on this. I'm trying to make peace with the amount of time that my children are requiring right now. But I'm finding ways to draw them out in ways that don't feel so shaming. I'm finding out ways to enter their rooms and join them without making them feel like there's something wrong with them wanting their own space right now. If you're always filling your child's life also with activities or other distractions, or you find that they're just always in their own space, but always connecting with peers, that is important to kind of look at and address. Your child needs this period of nothingness, some downtime that's not filled with connection with peers or activities. So they can kind of go through this self-renovation period and emerge and not feel the pressure from the outside world, from their peers, from teachers, from you to have to perform or be something. They need this separate space and this time right now to be in their cocoons. So understand that and give them space. Tip seven, and this is probably the one I would say is most important. Avoid the temptation to withhold your relationship from your child in the face of your adolescent's immaturity. When they're being immature, sometimes we have the temptation to say, well, gosh, well, I don't want to be with you right now anyway, when you're acting like that. When you're faced with your teen's harsh words or attitude or pushback, sometimes we want to just distance ourselves and not be around our teen. Or we want to join them in their adolescence, in their immaturity and lash out ourselves and say things like, well, I don't want to be around you when you act like that. But don't. There's a natural wedge that exists right now between yourself and your teen and tween. It serves a purpose as we've already gone into. It's meant to be there, but you don't want to drive that wedge deeper or have that wedge become a wall that cannot be passed. Where you've pushed your child too far away and you've given the message to your child that you don't actually want to be with them anyway. Instead, I encourage you to be generous with your caretaking right now and to do so without the expectation that there's going to be a gracious reception for your efforts. Sometimes there will be, but other times your child may kind of not give you much on the other end. When you make an effort to connect, they may not give you much back. So don't expect it and be pleasantly surprised when it is there. Parenting an adolescent requires a Herculean effort of sorts. And that effort needs to be placed on valuing your relationship with your child, even when it feels kind of one-sided right now, you need to keep that there and focus on the need to stay in relationship with your adolescent. Don't write them off as like, oh, it's too late. They're a teenager. It's normal for teenagers to hate their parents. I'm going to tell you, it's not normal for a teenager to hate their parents. So focus on your relationship with your child. I'm not saying that if your teen or tween is walking all over you, however, you should ignore it. But as always, with the 3D parent approach, you should be trying to make sense of your child's behavior and determine what's at the root of the behavior and then address that. 
So again, if you're just going to be like, gosh, you talked back to me, you've lost your phone for the day. If you're in that mode, you're not focused on the relationship with your child. So in the moment, if your child has been incredibly rude, disrespectful, dismissive, stand your ground and firmly go ahead and stay. It's not okay. You may not address me in that way, but then use the energy behind your frustration to empower you to stand your ground and state that something's not working and is not acceptable and remind your teen that you're still the alpha in the relationship. You know, again, think of that mama bear checking her cub when it starts to wander out of line, but then exit, exit that interaction right then and revisit later and revisit later to do the work to reconnect with your teen. Don't stay in the middle of a huge explosion of emotions. I'm not going to be talked to you that way. I do not tolerate it. Exit. You can go ahead and revisit later once everybody has calmed down. And then once all the kind of energies have subsided and the regulation has returned to your teenager, then you can go ahead and revisit that momentary loss of control and draw out your child's good intentions and call your child to do better. But do so in a way that doesn't sound like you're punishing them or shaming them or being condescending. It's a delicate dance, I know. And you may not always get it right. It might sound something like this. You know, earlier when you snapped at me, when I asked you to come to the dinner table, I know that you were stressed in that moment and you kind of reacted in your moment of stress and took it out on me. I know that you were stressed about homework and you didn't intend to be hurtful and harsh. I know you can do better. I know that's not the way that you intend to interact with me. What would work better next time is to say maybe, okay, I need one more minute and then I'll be there. And to do so without a stinging word or tone of voice. I'll promise to respect that you might need some more time, but I need you to have a commitment to work on the way in which you're delivering that message. That's a way that you can come back together with your teen and revisit a moment without having a huge explosion in a moment when your child maybe has given a less than ideal response to a certain request you've made. Keep your sense of humor about raising teens and lean on your friends and family, your friends and family, especially those who are in it right now with you or have been there. I want to leave you today with a quote by Dr. Deborah McNamara. She wrote in an article on raising teens called Growing Pains, Five Things Teens Need from Parents. I referenced this article for this podcast and put a link to this article in my show notes. Here's what she said. This is a quote from her article. What teens can't say and parents need to know is that our job is not done yet, but we do need to think about how we go about caring for them a little differently. We need to find ways to be less direct, to listen more, validate feelings and thoughts where we can, give them room to discover who they are, and keep our relationship strong. That just summarized kind of this really challenging dance that we're in, parenting our teens and tweens so well. So I wanted to share with you those words. Keep in mind again that this is a giant renovation project underway in your teen And it requires a renovation of sorts in our parenting. So find ways you can connect with your teen and maintain a sense of a strong relationship and closeness with your adolescent. Your relationship will be what sustains you both as you navigate these new waters 
you as the newly hired first mate while your adolescent learns to be captain of their own ship. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.